A vision without execution is just a dream. Welcome to Transformative Experts with Chris Elias. Like the show title says, Chris speaks with transformative experts and business leaders who share their successes, failures, and leadership tips that will help you transform your business into a success story. Now, here's your host, Chris Elias. Good morning, everyone. I'm Chris Elias, and I'm your host of Transformative Experts. Good to have you with us this morning. Um, in the studio today, I've got Doug Maybach, the chairman of the board of Barton Mallow Enterprises, one of the larger construction firms around. Um, good morning, Doug. How are you today? I'm doing great, Chris. Good to see you. It's good to have you here. Um, it's good to be in the studio for a change and to, to, to not be dealing with outside feet. So hey, we should six feet away. Time. Six feet away. Six feet away. Yeah, if, uh, if, if any of you guys can see us, we're sitting you know, about as far apart as our cords will allow us to be. Um, so, uh, having said that, uh, you know, let's, let's just start out with a little bit about who you are in the company. So, um, so give me, give me a little bit about your history and how did you get to be chairman of, of this company and tell us a little bit about the company itself. So I'm really blessed. I've, uh, grown up in the business, if you would, and I'm third generation, uh, my back in the Barton Mallow company world. Uh, my nephew, who is our CEO uh, right now, is fourth generation. So it's a, a wonderful thing to grow up. One of eight kids, uh, the youngest of eight kids, um, dad who was chairman of the board of Barton Mallow Enterprises and um, a preacher also, uh, was a, a wonderful father, a good example and so if you remember back to you know your elementary school days and what do you want to be when you grow up, I am confident I was the only one in my school that said I wanted to be chairman of the board. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great story. You know, you know, so here's something that's funny. And I mean, you and I have known each other for a while and I've been certainly aware of the company. Um, did not realize you, you're, now in, you've got the, you're now at the fourth generation. Um, you're, you're actually the second fourth generation company that, that I've talked to since we've started this program. And, you know, you don't get to be fourth generation by accident. I mean, a lot of, I mean, we know a lot of family businesses fail in the second generation, but, but there's something to it. So, so who actually founded the company and, and, and how do you attribute the, the longer term success? Well, one, I, you know, give thanks to our good Lord for, uh, you know, his providence and forbearance. Uh, but Carl Barton uh, was the individual that started the company back in 1924. A few years later, he had a gentleman by the name of Arnold Mallow uh, join him. Uh, and CO Barton Company was changed to Barton Mallow Company then. One of the first employees, um, one of their su first superintendents, was my grandfather, uh, Ben Maybach uh, Sr. And he moved down from Bay City, Michigan, to the big city of Detroit, and became a superintendent for this brand new company, Barton Mallow. Uh, both um, C.O. Barton and uh, Arnold Mallow uh, didn't have any children that were interested in the business at, at all. And so uh, tapped my father and another gentleman um, on the shoulder saying, hey, we'd like to set you up, uh, which is a wonderful uh, conversation if you had to uh, buy us out, uh, which they did uh, over a, a number of years. And um, the other gentleman, uh, within a year of starting that buyout process, uh, had a brain aneurysm. Oh, my gosh. And um, it, 
lived, uh, approached my dad and said, Hey, I've got to, I've got to step out. You know, my health isn't going to allow me to do this. And so my dad, um, bought him out and brought another gentleman in as a, uh, a minor partner. Um, and then, you know, the good news is that gentleman went on to live to 98 years of age. So stepping away from the business was a good thing for him. And my dad, um, as I mentioned, a great mentor and great example for me, um, helped take that foundation that uh, CO and Arnold had given um, and bring it forward, you know, towards today. And part of that example was that um, we have to listen to our customers. You know, without a happy customer, you're nothing. And two, to really be enduring, you have to give back. You just can't be a taker. Um, and so this company, um, again, thanks be to God, has existed since 1924, flourished since 1924, um, with that philosophy of really taking care of the customer and always giving back. Yeah. So, so you guys work both sides now. Okay. So let's pause for a minute. Let's talk about the customer. Right. And mm-hmm. and so I'm, I'll just work from the assumption that most of our listeners have maybe never heard of Barton Mallow uh, yet. There's probably many that are aware of your projects and the work that you've done, just given the scale of it. Um, you know, let's talk about what you're doing today. And I'd like to hear a little bit more. And I'll ask some other questions about the path of getting here. But but what are the you know, what are you the kind of projects you, you do? Um, you know, who is your customer? What does that look like? Sure. It is fun to be able to have that conversation with people about what we build and how it touches them in their lives. Um, we're across North America. We've done some work outside of North America, but uh, not much. Um, and, you know, the projects that we build, whether they're in the healthcare um, arena, hospitals and um, facilities where people are born and go to um, get their health restored if they have have issues, touch a lot of people's lives. We do a lot of education, both K through 12 and higher ed, um, and that's across the nation. And so, you know, it's fun that, hey, for Michigan State University, my alma mater, um, the amount of projects that we have done and continue to do, but boy, we can say that across the nation, um, a lot of universities we touch. Uh, sports and special events facilities are probably where people recognize uh, what we've built more than anything. We've built more than 140 uh, sports venues, whether they're stadiums, um, arenas, or whatever they might be. What are some of the ones that we would recognize? Oh boy, uh, New England Patriots. Um, you know their their stadium, uh, the Rose Bowl out in California. Uh, the renovation and expansion of that. Um, so from you know baseball parks. Um, you know, Baltimore, uh, Camden Yards to the, the Denver Rockies uh, to minor league baseball, you know, and that goes from Arizona to Florida and across uh, the south where most of those minor league parks are um, to the college venues, um, Notre Dame's Crossroads Project, which was a, a really transformational project at sure, University sure. of Notre Dame. Um, I could go on and on. Hockey arenas, uh, basketball arenas. Um, okay, so let, let, stuff. let me ask the tough question then. Uh, any University of Michigan work? Um, being a Michigan Stater, I mean, uh, <laughs> do you do any work for them as well or no? We do a lot of work for U of M, including their football stadium expansion. Well, good. You know, just just sitting here uh, two sides of the fence sometimes. So, um, yeah. Well, I'm going to keep going if you don't mind. Yeah, because, please. Because, you know, 
being in Southeast Michigan, we're headquartered in Southfield, Michigan, uh, it'd be hard to be a major player in the construction business and not do a lot of automotive work. So we do a lot of automotive. Um, you know, it's likely that many of those in the audience, uh, we've built the factory, uh, the plant, the built their vehicle, or in some way have touched it. Um, industrial, you know, it's not real glamorous to say you build steel plants, but we do. Um, energy, uh, both uh, coal, environmental side of energy, um, the gas-fired turbines, which are the trend late, lately, um, and then wind turbines. Uh, it's really fun, especially when we do college recruiting, uh, how many young people want to be engaged with the companies that are doing something green, something sustainable. So we do a lot of that also. And then uh, a really diverse portfolio of business we do. Uh, the other really fun thing that we do, and particularly in the South, um, our Florida operations work for all of the entertainment venues down there. So Disney, Universal, SeaWorld um, are all customers. And those are jobs that touch and make a lot of people smile. Yeah, and, and, and it's all very powerful. Um, you know, uh, well, one one side question. Uh, so, so uh, you know, obviously, you do the construction. Do you do the designs as well? Are you a design build firm, firm, or just, or are you just executing the construction based on other people's designs, or both? Uh, a little bit of both. Um, so we've stepped back out of the direct design. We used to have around 30 architects work for us, but we have a handful of architects work for us. We will manage outside um, architectural engineering firms for design build or EPC, engineer procure construct uh, type contracts. So yes, we are a design builder. We're also a construction manager. We're also a general contractor. Um, some of the most fun projects that we're doing um, are what are called integrated project delivery um, projects, where it's a three-part or multi-party contract uh, between the owner, the architect, and uh, the contractor, where we're all on the same page, one contract. Um, so we all win uh, together, which, hey, that's the way we like to work. Um, partnership being one of our, our core values, uh, that's, that's important to us, that we're able to partner and have a constructive, collaborative uh, relationship because those projects are more successful. So you just said a term that was near and dear to me, as my listeners know, that word core values. I do, you know, I'm going to circle back to that in a minute, but I want to mm-hmm. stay on the history just a few more minutes longer. And so you certainly didn't start four generations ago doing stadiums. So, so let's, I'd love to hear a little of, of the contrast. Tell me, tell me about the kind of projects and then how, how did you, how did you evolve to what you're doing today? Because no, nobody just starts doing hospitals and stadiums and schools. I mean, you know, you've got to, you've got to win your way up to that level. Mm-hmm. And so what was the path and, and just, uh, it, I'm just curious about that history. Yeah. Well, being again a, a general contractor based in Detroit, Michigan, back in 1924, uh, we worked for many in the automotive industry. Uh, we actually did work at uh, Briggs Field, as it was called back then, the old Tiger oh, Stadium. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and in the steel industry, so uh, you know, it's it's a pretty long list. Bell Telephone was one of our first customers, uh, so it's. It, we started out, as you can imagine, small general contractor. And then, you know, through the, uh, again, blessings of, of good people, um, we're able to help change the environment. You know, the general contracting can be uh, 
somewhat of an adversarial relationship sure um, where you have to defend the contract um, whether you're an owner or a contractor or even the uh, architect engineer and those those arrangements so to help change that um, adversarial side a president of Barton Mallow in in the uh, early 1970s helped write the book for construction management that was taught um, at Purdue University and and other universities uh, that were at that forefront of the construction management which is again an owner hiring a partner to consult with them to manage construction Um, so we've been an innovator and that innovation and being willing to do things differently for the mutual benefit of uh, our customers and our team um, have been one of the things that have helped Bart Mallow grow. Yeah, you know, um, it's such an important thing because, you know, as I think about construction, even, you know, in our old days at Big Boy, we even had our own construction arm for doing stores Mm -hmm. and our own design group and all that stuff. Um, Trust was really an interesting thing. You know, when, when, when you're building for a franchise base, if you're going to build more than one restaurant, they better trust you. But, you know, there was a day, I think, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, but there was a day when there, there didn't necessarily need to be a lot of trust and there wasn't necessarily a lot of trust because, okay, I'm building a plant might be the only time I ever work with this company you know, with this builder. And so you might have a construction company that comes in and maybe they cut some corners or, or they do things that, that wouldn't necessarily um, build longevity. Um, but they didn't necessarily worry about that because, okay, this is a one-off project. I'm not probably never going to do anything for these people again. But in today's world, you can't survive that way. The, 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 the recommendations, the quality of work and how you build your reputation is very, very different. Yeah, I would agree with that. And you know, we're, we're, again, blessed that uh, well over 90% of our customers are repeat customers. Yeah. Um, you can imagine when you go build a stadium somewhere, those don't happen in a repeat manner, you know, with the right. same customer right. time and time again. So those are, those are more the one-offs, if you would. Um, but General Motors, um, Ford, FCA, um, customers that we've worked for almost our entire history, um, in that trust, as you mentioned, are key to those enduring relationships that uh, we really look for win-win-wins because that's this sustaining, enduring part of a relationship. And, you know, obviously it takes the right people, and we'll talk about core values and culture when we come back from the break in a minute, but we've got about a minute left. Um, You know, not to ask too leading of a question, but, I mean, it sounds like this was a big piece of the long-term success for you guys. Yeah, I would agree. Um, you know, the giving back part that I started, we can talk more about that yeah, here in yeah. a moment. Um, that's been a huge from an employee retention standpoint. But again, um, we're collaboratively doing more than just our jobs building. We're building relationships and we're giving back so that the communities that we touch are better for us touching them. Yeah, I, I want to dive into that more. There's there's so many different facets of of the work here, um, but we're probably at a good point to, to to take our first break. I mean, time time flies, and um, and so uh, stay tuned, everyone. We'll be back in just a couple minutes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash Voice America. True results happen where culture meets execution. The Execution Culture, co-written by our host, Chris Elias, is designed to make your company smarter 
faster, and stronger by sharing real-world advice on culture, leadership, and execution. It's time to transform your business with the help of the execution culture. The book is available now on Amazon. Click the link on the show page. Is your company or team struggling to achieve the results you would like? Optimize your life, your team, and your organization through clarity, purpose, and action. At Nexecute, we have over 100 years of combined experience leading organizations and coaching individuals to achieve their vision. We design a customized approach to ensure successful execution and optimize your results. Connect better. Grow better. For a free consultation with Chris Elias, visit nexecutegroup.com. That's N-E-X-E-C-U-T-E group.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. This is Transformative Experts with Chris Elias. If you have a question or a comment about the show, please send an email to listener at transformativeexperts.com. Now, back to Transformative Experts. And we're back with Doug Maybach. Doug, just before we went to the break, we were just starting to talk about the people in your organization. And one of the things that um, that, that I've, I've noticed in, in the, the few years I've known you um, your, your culture is phenomenal. I mean, I, I've known people who've worked for you. I, I, you know, the, the conversations around town, um, people love it here. Uh, my guess is, is your turnover rate is probably fairly, fairly low, I would think, at least, you know, functional turnover. It's never perfect, but, um, but, but people generally love it here. And that says you're doing something really right on the, on the um, culture side. And, you know, let me ask a side question first. How many people, how many people are here in your headquarters? How many people in the organization? And at the end of the day, how many people do you manage in a year? Right now with the pandemic going on, there's very few people in our headquarters, <laughs> just what we need to keep the lights on and yeah. uh, keep all the services support. But typically there's around 300 people in our headquarters. Um, overall, there's around 2,600 employees uh, spread across North America. Um, we have an operation, small operation in Canada, um, do a fair amount of construction in Mexico, particularly in the auto market. Um, but more than half of our employees are tradespeople. We do a lot of building ourselves. Um, so that's, that's always exciting because there's, uh, there's a real joy in a swing and a hammer. And that's something yeah. that I, I wish I could do more of. Well, okay, and and having said that, though, there is such thing as the right and the wrong tradespeople, and and mm-hmm. and even they contribute or detract from the culture depending on who they are. Um, you know how how do you how do you well let's let's start with the culture itself, and I'll come back to how do we actually find the right people for you. But but let's come back to the culture and and tell me a little bit about how you um, how have you established the culture? How have you reinforced mm-hmm. it? Boy, you've got to be fully committed. Um, and realize that culture is everything in how you recruit, um, how you retain. You mentioned a few minutes ago, a moment ago, about uh, turnover. Um, Boy, zero turnover would not be good for any 
organization um, because there are people that don't fit. Um, and as hard as we try to be able to get alignment with our culture and uh, what we stand for, our core values, and that of our employees, so there's good alignment there, um, it doesn't always happen. And so you do need uh, some level of turnover to be able to have a, a really successful organization. Um, but boy, you know, communication is key to that. Consistency is another key to that. Um, and being really upfront that it's important that, you know, you, you think back over time in some colossal failures. You know, so one of our core values is integrity. Well, there's been some pretty bad failures in life where the companies said integrity was one of their core values. Um, and that's a hard value to have if you're not in alignment because people can interpret what integrity would mean to them differently. Uh, so being very upfront about uh, what our values mean um, and how we're going to live them. And then anytime there's um, a need for correction, that we do that. You know, we, we take this journey uh, together. And so we have a book of the month type club um, where we're reading um, Dare to Lead right now by, uh, by, by Brown, book. which is an exceptional yeah. book. Um, but those journeys give us time where we have um, weekly um, talks about what it is we've read in that chapter, um, how it applies towards our values and personal development plans or whatever it might be. And so those conversations uh, help to foster that value too. And well, I can remember one of the first books that we did as a leadership team um, in that, that whole manner going back years was uh, Built to Last. Uh-huh. And you know all of the great lessons in there, the right people on the bus. And when you have a person that isn't um, in alignment, that they get off the bus. Yeah. Yeah, you know, um, boy, you, you said so much in there. But I want to go back to probably your first point on this. You know, we get hired a lot to help companies with their culture, and it's a big part of what we do. And it's it's amazing how many leaders, that when we first start working with them, they think that it should almost be automatic. It should almost be a given. You know, well, this is the culture we want, and why isn't everybody this way? And this is how it is. And, um, and there are others that even think, well, we don't really have a culture. Or, you know, there's, no, well, there's always a culture. And, and, and we say that there's, there's no such thing really as an organization without a culture. Every cult organization has a culture, but the difference between a good and bad culture is intention. Mm-hmm. And um, it, is, it is just imperative to, to make it job number one to focus on it because, you know, your people are your, your biggest investment in the organization and you want to have the right people. And you don't want to waste time and effort and money on the wrong people. And people will make or break an organization at the end of the day. I mean, I guess unless you're a one-person internet operation, that's maybe a different story. But, but generally speaking, this is where the time and effort, if, if you're the leader of a company, president, a chairman, a CEO, mm-hmm. uh, there's, it has to be intentional. You can't just, just say, you can't get up one day and say, okay, you know, we want this to be our culture or, or you know, here are our core values and just expect it to happen. There's a lot of intentional work. And um, it just, you know, you, you just described all the effort that, that goes into it. Um, the other part, too, is, is for them to be living and breathing. Your, your core values are the basis of culture. 
And um, if we aren't actively reinforcing those things and we aren't actively, you know, the people who shouldn't be on the bus, if we're not taking them off the bus, then we become hypocrites. And the, the core values just become words on a wall and not, not something meaning. So uh, you, you've actually kind of touched on a couple of them. Um, you, you, you mentioned integrity and, and partnerships earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, t- tell me your, uh, let's go through the core values themselves. I'd love to hear the list of the core sure. values and what are the stories behind them? So, so again, for our listeners, you know, identifying your core values is one thing, but really having a good descriptor behind them. So your people in the organization really understand what they mean and what it, what, how the values show up in different roles is very, very important as well. That's how we drive alignment. So, so Doug, share, share with me, uh, start with partnerships, if you will, or whatever the first one on your list is. And, and I'd like to hear sure. the story behind each one. Well, I'll go bigger first. You know, so our core purpose is building with the American spirit, people, projects, and communities. And then how do we do that goes to our core values. And so we talk about integrity. We talk about partnership. And then the third is empowerment. Because, again, there's only so much I can do. But with an empowered organization, there's so much more we collectively can do. Right. So when we when we talk about values, um, again for the listeners, you know, we're not just talking about behaviors. People sometimes confuse the two. They think, well, you know, values and behaviors are the same thing. Behaviors are one of the ways that values will express themselves. But there are behaviors that you can modify through habit change, and there are behaviors you can't. The ones you can't are the ones that are tied to your core values system. And um, when it's a core value, it shows up in all aspects of your life. It becomes a, a driver. And so when I think in terms of partnership, integrity, and um, uh, God, I just blanked. What was the third one again? <laughs> empowerment. Uh, empowerment. Thanks. That's one I should know. Um, when, when I think in terms of, of those three, you know, somebody who has those, it's going to show up in their house. It's going to show up on the weekends. It's going to show up with their friends in one form or another. I mean, we always think in terms of business when we think about those words, but empowerment means a lot about, about giving up control and allowing others to do what they need to do and within reason. So when you think about those behaviors, let's, let's start with partnership. What, what are the behaviors that you would observe and, and what are the kind of things that, that, that you would look to recognize to see if this person really has a value around behavior or around uh, partnerships? Yeah, so you think about partnership and you can think about it in so many different ways. You know, one is friends, um, other would be marriage, a good example, um, and then business uh, partnerships. So in my mind, what makes partnership um, so key to us is that, one, we're going to spend time and effort getting to know one another. And in getting to know one another, we're going to build, good Lord willing and purposely, um, a level of trust. And then with that level of trust, um, we can truly act as partners and get that synergy that comes out of a partnership. Again, there's only so much I can do individually, but collectively so much more we can do. And boy, you think about, you know, adversarial relationships. I talked a bit ago about the old general contracting model. And hey, we still build a lot of projects under a general contracting model, but we approach them because of our value of partnership differently in that irregardless of what the contract language says, what's the best thing to do for that partnership, that enduring relationship for the long haul? Um, and that's what we will do, uh, strive to do. 
So it, living partnership um, actually like makes life so much more fulfilling uh, because you're not in it alone. And again, there's so much more you can do collectively than alone. Excellent. Okay, so now let's let's go on to number two, integrity. So one of the comments you made earlier, and it's actually it's, first on the list, but it's okay. Okay, so so the first one on your list, uh, but the second one we're talking about integrity. Um, you you mentioned it. And integrity is one of those words that for me can have many 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 meanings. Yeah. And so how do, how do you define it, and, and what are you looking for? So in the simplest manner, um, and we. I'm not going to go through all the sub-bullets that we have defining integrity. Sure, sure. Uh, but for me, the simplest way to define integrity is what you do when nobody's watching. Um, in that you will do what you said you're going to do, um, irregardless, again, if somebody is watching or not. Um, so that the how, um, you know, I... I sit in this chair as chairman of Bart Mail Enterprises, and I'm following my, my dad. Um, and then I'm following also my older brother, who's 16 years older than me. Um, when he stepped down and I stepped in, you know, you have that legacy again that you have to carry. But one of the things Ben frequently said and says to this day, it's not just what you do, it's how you do it that matters. Um, and so that integrity really helps shape that how. What is it we're doing and how are we going to do it that's going to make a difference, a positive difference um, with our partners? Excellent. Excellent. Okay. Lastly, empowerment. And, um, uh, you know, this is, again, another word that that sometimes gets mixed up. And sometimes people believe that empowerment is giving utter and complete freedom. It's, it's not really, it's freedom within a set of guidelines Mm -hmm. and rules, but, but how do you, how do you see it within the organization? What are you looking for as a value on empowerment? So I mentioned earlier, we're reading, um, as a, as a company right now, the, uh, dare to lead, um, and boy, we want all of our employees to be leaders and want them to be empowered um, to lead because they can make this, the difference that is needed. So when you look at empowerment and um, you have to set guide. Lines. You have to have goalposts that define, you know, behaviors, if you would. So we're not devoid as a company of processes and procedures and such like that. But we are definitely of a mindset that, hey, this is what they're based on what we knew best at that time. They need to continually evolve and change. And that's part of that empowerment is that people, um, you know, within these guideposts, go forth and do good. Um but as you're doing that, always be mindful of our need to innovate, um, our need to continuously improve, uh, to differentiate ourselves as we go along. And so part of that empowerment is for them um, in that arena also. We talked a few moments ago about our tradespeople. And when the, a tradesperson comes to work for us, and the vast majority of them are union members, um, particularly here in the Midwest, you know they they have they come to us with varying amounts of loyalty, if you would. Um, some maybe much more towards uh, their union, and much more some you know that have been with us multiple years towards Bart Mallow. But we spend a lot of time and energy um, orientating our um, 
tradespeople because they're the front line. They're the ones building with their hands uh, what it is we're going to be known for. And we want them to have integrity. We want them to work as partners. We want yeah, them yeah. to be empowered to do the right thing. Um, you know, that I've had some peers, if you would, leaders of construction companies, um, safety is paramount. Um, in our industry, it's it's a high risk industry, if you would. And they've said, well, "Why isn't safety one of your your values?" And I say, "It is." You know, how can we have integrity, personal integrity, if we don't care passionately about every person that works for us? Partnership, that's part of that safety. We're going to work together to be safer. Um, empowerment. We tell every person that comes to work for us whether it's a carpenter for the first time, you have the power. You are empowered to stop work if anything you see isn't safe. And we hope that's empowering. And we believe they're making a difference. Yeah, it's funny because people will think sometimes, well, why don't you have this core value or whatever? But it's the combination of core values that make you unique and align the personalities that are there. And so, yeah, you know, safety, absolutely, it's, there's a, certainly a, a way to thread it through. And I love the way you think about that. And just, again, for our listeners, companies can have many, many you know, values. The question is, what are the actual core? There is one other category of core value, depending on the industry, and that's what we call permission to play, a value that must exist in the organization in order to survive even business. And safety is sometimes just permission to play, especially in your world. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, here we are. Another flyby segment. I mean, we're already up on our uh, on our next break. So uh, when we come back, uh, I actually would like to, to to talk about how the culture and, and what you do has helped both with retention. Maybe talk about how we find some of those people and the retention piece of it. I, we could go on for so long, but I want to get into the, the the portion of what you do to give back to your communities as well, because I believe from previous conversations that's part of your retention. So. Um, Stay tuned, everyone. We will be back in just a couple of minutes to continue our conversation with Doug. Thanks. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. True results happen where culture meets execution. The Execution Culture, co-written by our host, Chris Elias, is designed to make your company smarter, faster, and stronger by sharing real-world advice on culture, leadership, and execution. It's time to transform your business with the help of The Execution Culture. The book is available now on Amazon. Click the link on the show page. Is your company or team struggling to achieve the results you would like? Optimize your life, your team, and your organization through clarity, purpose, and action. At Mexicute, we have over 100 years of combined experience leading organizations and coaching individuals to achieve their vision. We design a customized approach to ensure successful execution and optimize your results. Connect better. Grow better. For a free consultation with Chris Elias, visit nexecutegroup.com. That's N-E-X-E-C-U-T-E group.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. 
This is Transformative Experts with Chris Elias. If you have a question or a comment about the show, please send an email to listener at transformativeexperts.com. Now, back to Transformative Experts. And we're back one last time with Doug Maybach. So, Doug, um, you know, enforcing a, a, a culture, especially one based, you know, core values, all cultures actually should be based on core values, requires aligning people to the value system, you know, gives the greatest opportunity for people to get along. But in order to align, we have to be willing to, to fire people who are not aligned to the core values, and we have to have good, solid processes for hiring. Um, you know, uh, I think we were, you, you already mentioned that, that you're not going to keep people around. That probably goes to co- subcontractors that you don't keep people around who aren't aligned. But how do you find those people? And then I want to talk about how do we keep those people? Because that's the third leg of the stool here is you can find them, but you got to keep them. Yep. So, um, so first, how, how do you find core values aligned people? Because this is one of the big struggles that organizations seem to have. So a number of ways I can answer that, but I'll, I'll just talk about, um, one of the things that I'm really proud of for as us as an organization, 1984, um, not the best of economy times, uh, but in that time frame, we started our LEAPS program, which is our internship program. And, you know, just a recognition at that time that our future is our ability to attract and retain the youth. Um, our future leaders. And so we started that program, and you can imagine the economy's had ups and downs, you know, most recently in, you know, 08, 09. Um, We have stayed consistent. We have maintained that program and hired interns um, throughout. And so the majority of our engineers that are entering um, this organization, um, not just engineers, and all interns cover a broad swath of all the employees that we have, the majority of them are people in the construction um, fields, if you would. So majority of our college hires come to us after working for us for multiple years. Um, They've been through an interview process. They've been through the fire of the field, um, have lived our values because our interns um, are part of our community week, are giving back. Our interns um, have a chance to connect uh, with you know their peers, their, their future employers, um, and build relationships. Um, our interns have to present um, on their ideas of how to improve the organization. And so built on that base, uh, we've been able to orientate people, I use that word, you know, generally, because I, I don't think we do it overtly. Um, but people that have worked for us for multi years in an internship program come to work for us. They know what they're getting into, um, and those have been some of our best leaders as we've grown up as an organization too. So you've actually created a feeder process, and it allows you to evaluate long before you've made the investment in a true employee, too. Yeah. Because if you've got somebody who comes in for an internship who's not aligned, they're either going to self-select out because they're going to say, that this isn't for me, or it was just a job, or you're not going to invite them back. And that's always the tough part. And, I, and, I, and you know... We always think that the companies can hire too quickly. When we get under the pressure that a position is open, go hire and go fill it. But 
you know, it takes time to find that core values aligned. So to the extent that you know people out there, um, you know, people you've been exposed to in the past at different personal venues and all that stuff, and you know that their value systems are there, I would always argue if you find somebody with the right core values, hire them and then figure out what they're <laughs> going to do. That's a true statement. Yeah, so that, that's a that's really an interesting system. So, so um, you know, how many interns a year do you put through and how many of those get, get hired? Uh, so this year, I believe there was uh, 50, um, which in the last couple of years have been a pretty normal class uh, for us. Uh, about a third of them are, you know, seniors, if you would, um, and the majority of them will get an offer for hire. That's, that's incredible. Um, how many, so, so how many times during the year do you have to fill positions that are outside of those? Oh, yeah, nonstop. Because, yeah. Uh, Projects pop up in, in yeah. you know, the middle of North Carolina, and while we have a presence there, we don't have all the team members that we'll need. So you're, well, yeah. you're transferring and you're hiring, yeah. Um, and so yeah, we're very purposeful on our hiring of hiring towards our core values, towards that alignment, um, and that it's a team effort in hiring. So now you know, uh, obviously, there's there's two criteria for somebody to be successful in an organization. One, they need to be the right cultural fit, which we've been talking about. And obviously they've also got to have the skills and ability yeah, to hit the target. Right. I mean, yeah, you got, you got to have both. So now you've got somebody who's really an A player. They're, you know, they, they've got all the values, the behaviors are great and they're performing at a, at a good level. And maybe as they get promoted, they have to learn. There's a little bit of bouncing around a little bit, but you know, but they keep growing and they're doing well. And this is a person you don't want to lose. How do you keep them? You know, uh, companies struggle with retention and, um, you know, all the time. And, you know, sometimes, you know, they'll hear a story that somebody left for a few dollars an hour or a few, a few thousand dollars a year more. But I often find that, that money is not the driver of why people really leave. It's always something deeper. And so, you know, from, from your standpoint, is, is retention something that happens because of the culture or are you intentional on retention as well? Yes. Okay. <laughs> we, we're very intentional on it, um, and it is a big part of our culture. Um, we used to do, uh, you know, I used the word orientation. Um, so when you're a tradesperson coming onto a project, you have to orientate them very quickly to what it is the task they're going to do. But when you're a, a professional um, coming uh, to work for the organization, that on-the-job training is going to happen. But then we set aside a multi-day commitment uh, within the first three months of their hire where all of the new hires come together, and we're even doing it virtually now, as you can imagine, over the the past uh, few months. Um, But it's even more effective when it's in person because you're building relationships. You're not in it alone. You're, You're a new employee, but you have peers that are new employees. We call it the Barton Mallow Edge. And... You know, they're, they're going to be hearing from leaders throughout the organization. They're going to be hearing from our foundation manager about giving back. Um, they're going to hear from our leadership development team um, on what are their opportunities for personal growth. Um, and so it, it's a real broad breadth of people that they're going to get orientated to or meet uh, during their edge. Um, and we're purposeful that it's not the first thing they start, they actually start work out on their job sites or in the office that they're assigned to. Um, and then after they've had that experience, we bring them in 
and have that edge experience. Um, and we've found that to be so much more effective of reinforcing what they've seen with words, with relationships to help build on that. Oh, that's excellent. That's excellent. And, you know, it, it's it's key, right? I mean, we put a lot of investment into people, but again, sometimes we only look at the investment as some some trainings here and there, and well, they come work for us, we give them a paycheck and they get a bonus. But it, it is more than just those things. The investment has to go beyond, and, and it's all part of the fit of the culture. And um, you do it right, and the only people you're losing are either the ones you choose to lose, <laughs> right? Or, um, or those, you know, sometimes they're just things out of your control. Somebody's, you know, the, the family, they retire or family moves out of state or, or there's, there's things like that. Um, changing gears, something we've talked about, um, touched on just a couple of times, but I, I'd like to go a little bit deeper. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I've always been impressed with, with this organization is how you give back to the communities you do work in. So it was, you know, you mentioned it earlier as kind of one of the kind of principles almost of the organization and giving back, you know, that, that piece of it. Um, you know, how, how does that work? I mean, I don't mean, is it good or bad? I mean, but, but how do you actually, how do you do that? And how do you choose how to give back what you're going to do in your communities and, um, and maybe share some examples? Sure. So I mentioned earlier our purpose of building with the American spirit. All right, so what is the American spirit? So we chose the, that phrase, those words purposefully from the standpoint that we believe we are a very giving nation. Um, and you think about our, our footprint, um, global footprint, um, how much we give and support others, um, take care of our own. Um, that's a good thing. But we're also a very innovative uh, nation, you know, one that um, created a, a constitution that is enduring today. Um, you know, the people like Henry Ford and, you know, you, you think of all of the innovators that have been around us um, failing fast. So that's part of that American spirit that we talk about. But then we also talk about people, projects, and community. And they're in that order purposely that we need to develop, build people to be able to build a project to be able to impact a community. And it's that big picture, that community side, that um, it's more than a building. You know, it's a place where, as I mentioned earlier, someone may be born, that their loved one is cured, um, that the vehicle they drive is touched, or the power that turns their lights on at home is created, or where they go for fun down at Disney World. Um, That community is impacted by the projects. But it's also impacted by the people that are in that community. So our foundation reinforces that when we come into a community, it's more than just to build a project. It's to leave an enduring imprint. And so um, our project teams are are challenged, empowered, as we talked about um, earlier, to be able to live our values and look for opportunities to connect. Um, and with some customers, it's really simple. You imagine if you're building for a not-for-profit hospital, you know, a Beaumont hospital in this area, um, you know, majority of the healthcare system in this nation is not-for-profit. Um, so they're in it giving back, if you would. So we'll partner with their giving side 
to be able to multiply their impact. Um, but then, you know, if it's a uh, minor league stadium that we're doing in the middle of South Carolina, uh, we'll reach out to that community and find out, all right, how can we make an impact uh, from a workforce development standpoint, from reaching out to the uh, the local community that may be underserved or not have all the opportunities that others might have and again multiply our impact so it's it's been fun uh, living that core purpose of community and using our foundation to help multiply that impact because again as i've said a couple times already here there's only so much i can do individually but when we empower so many more, such a greater impact we can have. Um, you know, so I'm kind of curious, has it ever backfired on you? Have you ever had a situation where um, where maybe it wasn't taken the right way? Or, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a very skeptical world today. I mean, we, a lot of skepticism has, has popped up, and, and people could listen to some of the stuff you said and say, oh, you know, there's a guy who just sits with rose-colored glasses, and, you know, but... You know, I also think that there's a need for us as leaders to take ownership and try to make this world a better place as much right. as we can. Um, have, have you bumped into any of that, or have you been fortunate and been able to, to move through, or do you just plow through and ignore it? <laughs> uh, you don't ignore it. But yes, there are times when um, we're working for a customer that uh, is in it to take all they can, if you, if you would. Um, and I'll remind customers that, you know, you'll have an interview process or a, a competition where you're selecting us, but never forget we're sele- selecting you also. Um, so there are some customers that um, it doesn't work out. You know, we don't win every job we pursue. Um, and there's customers that, you know, we've won a job that will not go back and do it again because um, they're a taker. They're not looking to, to build collaboratively as we wish to do. Um, and we do that from a self-preservation standpoint, but we do that from an alignment of values standpoint too. Yes, yes. And actually, I think that that's a really important point to highlight. You know, often when we talk about core values, we think about employees, but I will tell you, you know, my, my customers who are aligned to our organization core values are always better relationships. Mm-hmm always better relationships. And I, I, I think that alignment, I, you know, I, I would expect that you've, you've and, and others out there have all experienced the same thing. Yeah. When you have that alignment, th- those are your best customers. And they might even be, in your case, a customer you only work with once because of the project, but you're still going to remember them as one of the best customers. Right. So uh, we talked a little bit about our foundation, and I'm, I'm yeah. just going to go down a path that uh, 1954, we started Barton Mallow Foundation, and that was to allow us to expand our giving. But for the next 40 years, it was a um, company-funded only foundation. And um, a few years back, we said, hey, again, you know, with partnership, there's so much more we can do. Uh, we partnered with our sub- subcontractors, um, engineers, designers, and even in some cases, our customers, where uh, we will have community events um, or fundraisers where we're able to multiply the impact that we're, we're doing in a community. Um, so the giving is more than just what Barton Mallow can do. It's what our partners uh, can multiply. And then very shortly after that, we said, hey, um, 
why don't we partner with our employees? And so we have an employee matching plan um, because there's only so much I and our foundation manager and our foundation community can be aware of um, and actually make an input. And you can't support everything. You have to be very purposeful about that. So we we are very purposeful about our giving and, and alignment there. Um, but that employee side helps build that, again, relationship, that partnership, empowering our employees to say, hey, here's something I can do good with um, and the company's willing to stand behind me and multiply that impact. That matching plan has really been impactful to a lot of our employees. Yeah, and today I think employees are much more purpose-driven, especially, I mean, we keep using the word millennials, but but I, I do think that more and more people that are coming in are, are, are becoming aware and concerned and want to work for a place that is making an impact beyond just the work that's there. So that's that's excellent. I, you know, we've got time for maybe one more quick question, just a, just a question about the foundation itself. Um, you know, a lot of foundations are built on causes, right? And, and, and focusing on, on, you know, one or two or three kind of, you know, arenas. Is there, are there any particular arenas for, for your foundation? If, um, you know, if, if, if anybody wants to contact you or anything like that, I, you know, is anything that's special or do you keep it more just open into the dependent on the communities? So we do look for alignment. Um, you know, some, the easiest thing to give is money. Yeah. And, but, you give you your time, you can be more impactful. Uh, so we do look for alignment. What's our custom, what are our customers passionate about? How can we help and partner with them? What are our leadership um, interested in and passionate about? How can we partner with them? And then what's in the best interest of our employees? I talked about the matching program, for example. Um, so we look for alignment. Wellness would be one of those areas that can touch multiple areas. Workforce development is one of those areas, mentoring programs and such that can touch multiple areas. Um, We're builders, Habitat for Humanities, one that we can bring our skill set and make an impact in a community and help others and then have those team building exercises. So we look for all of those alignments in our, our giving back. That's excellent. That's excellent. And you know, Doug, we're, we're out of time. I, you know, it's, it's, I, I, I've got 20 more questions I want to ask you. So maybe we'll have to do this again. I'd like to, to explore even deeper on some of this, but you know, uh, I, I hope all of you out there um, have heard today the importance of building and maintaining and being intentional about your culture. If, if we don't take anything else away, I mean, that's huge, um, you know, in driving retention and alignment, uh, you know, this is an organization that's had a tremendous amount of success and the number one focus is culture first. I mean, that, that seems, seems to be what, what I've been hearing today. So um, if you've enjoyed this uh, and you want to reach out to, um, to Doug or get a hold of him or anything like that, you know, feel free. You can contact me through, um, you know, through the, the Voice America website, or you can also go to uh, my personal page, chrysoliasauthor.com. Uh, feel free to, to reach out and contact us. Hope you've enjoyed the show. And I, I will. Have. Yeah, thanks. And, and Doug, thank you. Thank you so much for, for being with, with us today. Appreciate it, Chris. Great opportunity. Thanks. And so uh, that that's it for this week. And, um, you know, until next week, I hope everybody has a great week. And we will, quote unquote, see you soon. Thank you for joining Chris Elias for this week's edition of Transformative Experts. We hope you'll tune in again next Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a good week.